Today's show is sponsored by Calamos Investments. Here's Anna DeVlantis hosting The John Williams Show. 1236, the Wintrust Business Lunch continues here. We're chugging along on a Monday. Anna in for King John today. And Matt Freund has joined us. He's with Calamos as well. We've been talking with the team at Calamos Investments throughout the show today about big picture economy. We're going to get a little more targeted here with Matt. He's going to kind of help us decide some of the some of the areas where he sees possibilities for potential in investments. Some of the things they're telling their clients. And Matt, welcome. Good it's, to see you. It's great to be here. You know, just off air quickly, let's go, let's jump into this real quick. We were talking about airfares and how they've, um, well, they're pretty, uh, pretty high for the holidays. I'm just looking at this story here. Airline executives say based on bookings, they expect huge demand for flights over the holidays. But they say the best deals are already gone. They are super high. Jump in and get yours now. You're not going to get a better deal. They said airfares in October were up 43% from a year ago. And the airlines, you know, are saying that we, we have fewer flights right now, too, from 2019, even though the number of passengers are back at pre-pandemic levels. And you fly a ton for business, so you've seen that. The packed planes and right. all of that. So one of the things that's going on is that goods inflation, so the price of things you can buy and ship or order on Amazon, those prices actually peaked in the summer and have been coming down. But services, uh, services haven't peaked uh, and have are, are actually bouncing along at fairly high levels. So it's a combination. There is clearly a shortage of pilots. There is clearly uh, pressure on the energy side. Mm-hmm. And if you want that service, if you want that vacation or that trip, you're going to have to pay for it. You are definitely going to have to pay for it. So um, get on it now. But we have some other things we do want you to talk about, which is kind of why you're here. Um, and and I think, you know, we, we did go into the big picture of the economy. A lot of questions right now. Uncertainty continues. That's the name of the game. Inflation, front and center. A lot of people asking about what's going to happen. And the news, Matt, that just crossed that I do want to get into is the Fed. All eyes are on the Fed. But how high will they continue to hike these interest rates to control inflation? And right now, we're getting some guidance from the vice chair, Brainerd. She says it may be soon be appropriate to move to a slower pace of rate hikes. And, and we think that's right. So, look, by hindsight, the Fed made a mistake. Um, they should have started hiking rates uh, over a year ago. But every kid knows if you're behind in a race, you have to run faster to catch up. But once you've caught up to the the group uh, where you should be, um, it's okay to slow down. In fact, if you don't, you may get further ahead and and uh, take the take all the draft yourself. So the Fed was behind in the race. The Fed ra- ran really fa- far and fast to catch up. But now we think it's appropriate for the Fed to move at the speed that they should have had they started on time. So, yeah, I think what you're going to see, they're going to downshift to 50 and then pretty quickly to 25s. So they've been doing 75 BIP rate hikes and now they're going to move to 50. Now, what does that translate into English, though, to all of us about how that impacts the economy, how that affects us? So how does it affect the economy and us? So rates are still going up if you're holding out because, you know, you heard about this Fed pivot and it means that rates are coming down. I think that's a mistake. We we actually think rates are going to be somewhat sticky. So they're going to get to a level they're comfortable with. So my estimate is that it's between five and five and a half. So they're going to get there. 
And then we think they're going to um, leave it there and let it work through the economy. So that's number one. Don't expect rates to come down. Number two is um, as you get closer to that destination, again, you have to be careful. You don't want to, you know, damage the the ship as it comes into the dock. So they will be slowing down, but their destination hasn't changed. And number three, the the thing that they didn't talk about was um, their balance sheet. They will be continuing to shrink their balance sheet and take liquidity out of the system. That's not that bad for Main Street, but it could cause some more volatility on Wall Street. And we think that's that's likely. What do you so? What does that mean for mortgages, for car loans, and that kind of thing at the height of this rate? hike? Where where are we going? Yeah, so uh, mortgage rates have gone up a lot from 2 and 3%. Uh, There were some amazing deals. For sure. um, Now, uh, last I saw, they were just under 7%. So that's a huge increase. Now, you were talking to John Calamos before I got here, and he reminds us that, you know, he's had mortgages 10, 12% uh, and higher. Hmm. So it's something that we can deal with, But it's something that, again, prices have to adjust. I think you're going to see home price uh, increases um, really slow down, if not contract. That'll work its way through the economy. We're already seeing on the auto side that used car prices have come down quite a bit. So Fed actions work with the lag. And those, you know, a year ago, they were still at zero. Mm -hmm. But but they started hiking um, earlier uh, this year, and that's going to work its way through. So what does it mean for us? Rates are going to stay higher. Prices will adjust. Um, and when you're doing your own planning, don't plan on rates coming down quickly. So the days of the family selling the used minivan for more than they paid for it might be over now, you think? Yeah, used, used cars generally aren't a great investment. No. They go up in price. But that's what we've had the last couple of years. Okay, so let's... Um, okay, we, maybe we pause right here because then we want to get into some of the details. What are you at Calamos telling your clients? What advice are you giving them? What asset classes do you like? What, what sectors do you like even? Sure. Maybe give us some more specifics about what you like because there's so much not to like right now. We kind of need some guidance. Matt Freund is uh, with Calamos Investments. He is the co-CIO, head of fixed income strategies and the senior co-portfolio manager. We're back with more financial insights from Calamos Investments. Here's Anna Devlantis. And also here's Matt Freund. He's the co-CIO, head of fixed income strategies at Calamos. He's also a portfolio manager there. In charge of a lot of investments, Matt, and you're one of the smart guys in the room at a time like this, and a lot of us aren't feeling so smart because we're seeing our investments, you know, really whittle away. And I think we're looking for some areas where where, where would you go in an environment like this? And I know that depends on the time horizon you're working with, right? Yeah, that's right. I think the most important question an investor has to ask is, look, is this money that I'm trying to invest in when in the short term, meaning three months, six months, a year? Or is this money that I'm investing for my retirement, for my kids' college that I really am going to invest and see through for five, 10 years or longer? Because it it can point you in different directions. So let, let me give a great example. Okay. Over the long term, the best uh, indicator of how you're going to do um, is really valuations, meaning what you're paying and how... Um, how earnings are are going to grow over time. There may be ups, there may be downs, but if you if you have a fairly good read on earnings and if you know uh, that you're paying a fair price for those earnings, over the long run, the ups and downs average themselves out. 
positioning average, it, it, it really becomes less important. Over the very short run, though, the most important thing really comes down to the second derivatives. It's not just what earnings or growth is doing. It's are they accelerating or are they decelerating from expectations? It's not just on rate, interest rates and inflation, but it's are rates higher than expected or lower than expected? And positioning takes a much bigger role, meaning is the hedge fund community, uh, institutional Wall Street, already largely in and looking for the exits or vice versa? So the analysis is very different. I hear you on that. Um, tech is taking a beating. We're seeing a lot of layoffs in the tech sector. We've been reporting that in the news. Um, do you like energy? People are. Would you would you move into energy at a time like this? Well, so we 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 talked about energy the last time we were here. I think energy has a lot going for it. So typically, over the cycle. Um, Energy, it kind of self-corrects. The, the, the sure cure for high prices are high prices, and, and there's more pumping and more production, and then energy goes into oversupply. This time, it's not happening. You can say it's because of um, the war in Europe. You can say it's because of the administration, but you haven't seen that production response, and, and I'm not quite sure why. So we do think that energy is is attractive, but parts of tech are too. Hmm. So um so within tech, and one of the things that I'm kidded about is I always say, look, it's not just a one stock market or one bond market, but it's a market of individual companies and individual sectors. So profitless tech, um, uh, tech that is much longer term in terms of being able to show a profit and a return to shareholders, that's really underperformed. And I think it might be too early, uh, certainly in the short run there. Um, but, um, you know, fortress growth companies, they have underperformed, to be sure. But I think that some of these companies have priced already priced in um, some recessionary outcomes. I mean, the economic scenarios would have to get much worse than we're anticipating for those companies to underperform from here. Mm-hmm. So there are parts of tech that we like. So you're thinking some of them have beaten up too badly and there are some opportunities maybe. Uh, again, you have to look uh, at each sector, but companies with strong balance sheets, companies that have a lot of cash that are not dependent on whoever wins the house, that are not dependent on whether it's a pivot or a slowdown or a soft landing or a hard landing. There, there are a lot of opportunities in that space. Hmm. Small caps, uh, John Calamo said that he thought were an opportunity places to look. What, what do we mean when we say that and where are you looking? Yeah, so to be sure, so small caps uh, typically traded a premium to their larger uh uh, brothers and sisters. They, they're they generally faster growing, more nimble, um, generally have more fu- uh, uh, exposure to U.S. revenues as opposed to overseas, and they have gotten significantly cheaper than they've been in the past. Um, they could, again, in the short run, do they have to rally from here? They don't. But if you're taking that longer term view, uh, I think this is a great entry point for for the small cap space. Okay, the strong dollar is also something that um, a lot of people are looking at. What does that mean for us? So in the short run, the strong dollar is a headwind, meaning it, it takes returns away from earnings that come outside the United States. So the dollar is strong when they take those earnings um, in euros, yen, whatever the currency is, and translate them back. Mm-hmm. There's less earnings for U.S. investors. Um, so that's hurt international stocks that's hurt 
emerging market companies that's hurt the earnings of large multinationals. Um, but currencies self-correct too. I think I think the dollar has a lot of momentum in the short run. I would I'd be surprised if it was this strong, uh, you know, a year or two out from here. So hmm. I think there's a lot of positive uh, tailwinds for EM and uh, non-U.S. Earnings. And you say you could travel to Europe right now pretty cheaply, back to our travel uh, theme from before. Certainly, it's it's competitive with a lot of U.S. Dest- destinations, that's for sure. Yeah, and because, it's cheaper when you get there. Yeah, because your dollar goes a long way. It goes a long so way. Is, that may be something you wanted to take the family there for Thanksgiving. I don't know. They don't celebrate that in most countries, I, I understand. Well, certainly not ours. <laughs> not, yeah, other than ours. It's good to see you, Matt, and um, thank you for your insights. And um, I just appreciate you, you folks at Calamos. You know, like I say, at times like these is when we need guys like you and women like you at your firm to help us, you know, stay educated and informed about these important issues. So thank you for that. Oh, it's my pleasure.